all over the country, there's good deals. So there's no reason to jump into one really fast if, if you're not like 100% confident it's going to do well. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from $2.25 to $5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. Well, what's going on, SDR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, B? My brother, so good to see you. Happy second day of the month. It's already the second month of the year, so I hope everybody's doing good. And, you know, if some of the goals have kind of fallen off the plate, it's okay. That's no, no need to freak out. You don't have to wait until next year to start over also, right? Like everything is chill. Yeah. You're good. You know, life is good. How are, what about you? You were, you were shopping today. What were you shopping for today? Some bathroom tiles? Yeah. No, the bathroom tiles are good. We need it. We need, I kind of like jumped in. I should have just shut my mouth and let Kristen yeah. do her thing. That's usually But I was like, call. I wanted, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be, I'd be curious from the listeners what is like the biggest driver when you're booking a hotel room for me it's always the shower so i was like mm -hmm. obsessing over getting like the coolest like yeah. shower I mean, yeah fixtures. a nice big shower it's a, it's a big plus a big me. shower with like the yeah. right fixtures with wands and all that yeah jazz and that's I'm like, you were all right. today. so me and my, one of my partners pavel have been going back and forth for like a week and i'm like oh but what about this one what about this one and he's like dude those are like two thousand dollars like this is not you got 57 rooms, but it's a lot of money on shower heads. So they ended up going to, I went to the plumbing store and then I, we had our seven figure boardroom call. So I took yeah. that from the car, got back to the office. Kristen was like, I'm back here with Pavel. I need you here now. I'm like, you guys just make a decision. I'm just done. I could do a whole course on bathroom fixtures at this point yeah. from the rabbit holes that I've gone down. Yeah. It's funny because you realize when you grow a scale and you start doing renovations at scale, every decision is like Right. Like I had to buy the lights for the villas and the lights on the walls are good, but the lights on the ceilings were not working out and they were already starting to break. So I had to like take them down and get them sent back. And so like, it's those big decisions that take a lot of like a lot of weight. And you know, what's funny for our uh, boutique hotel people, something that I've been told from the guests at the villas, especially my older guests that have been coming to us. So I have some guests that have been coming for like 10, 11 years, right? Since I took over, they've been coming the whole time. The villas are night and day. But you know what they complain about now? The fact that there is no 
there's no people anymore. So my biggest complaint has been the fact that there is no office and that there is no people there. So as you're taking over a boutique hotel, be very mindful of what you want to do. Because if you start getting people used to the human touch, you're like, we're going to do boutique hotel. You don't listen to Mike. You don't want to do a, this is a remote hotel. You're just keyless operated, but you want to do something that has a person there. Just make sure that in the long-term plan, that's what you're going to keep there. Or you might run to the problem where I'm like, they're a thousand times better than they used to be. And they're like, yes, but we missed you guys. And I'm like, I get that. But like, really? Like, that's I'm going to order guys? you like, I'm going to order you a bunch of those fat head stickers. It's just yeah, going to be put e, them everywhere. E on the wall and everything. No, it's like people just miss getting like free therapy sessions with E and just sitting at the <laughs> office with me and like talking about their grandkids and stuff. But it's, it's funny stuff that you don't think about. But when you do a boutique hotel, it's all kind of part of the vibe, you know, and it's kind of like something that you're like, I thought they would be appreciative and, and happy of like how much we renovated and how much better the place looks. And they are, but yet they're upset. Like they feel like the, the customer service is not the same, whereas I don't think it's changed at all. Mm. It's just something curious to kind of consider because we have a lot of people doing that small boutique hotels now. So it's kind of something to keep in the back of your mind. Well, you're in a different boat because you've owned it for a while and you've been running it for a decade at this point yeah so it's it's interesting but if you're gonna go yeah. buy one and yeah. reposition it rebrand right. it and just make sure that you set expectations through your website and your messaging and your branding and everything else mm -hmm. so that people know what to expect when they get there yeah otherwise then you're gonna have a problem and be um, mindful if you want to change it like if you start wanting to be more like we used to be and more hands-on and then you switch just be ready that some people may appreciate the renovations but may want the human task you no longer have, right? So like, yep, apples and oranges, you know? 100%. 100%. But anyways, just a side Anyways, rant. man. Yeah, no, things are good. Hotel stuff's going. It's exciting. And uh, I'm excited for today's guest. So you have been don't, a friend for a long that? time in the inner webs. Yeah, it's like we're, we're like cyber room. buddies. Yeah. And then we hang out <laughs> like for like 20 minutes in Miami. But we're going to change that in Nashville. We're going to change that. So uh, today on the show, we have Mr. Tyler Kuhn. He is a premier real estate agent of choice when it comes to short-term rental acquisitions. As your partner in the process of finding your next investment, Tyler and his savvy realty team stand by your side from purchasing directly with Tyler in the North Carolina mountains to other vacation destinations in the country. A savvy agent will always be the best choice for your next investment. Tyler, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'd have my assistant write that bio because I'm not good at talking about myself. So I was, oh, that was good. I felt like I felt like Steve Harvey. Like I wanted like the crowd to start clapping and like the lights to shine on you when you walked in. That was good. Yeah, walking on the stage. How are you guys? Awesome. We're great. Talking about New Year goals. How are what what goals do you guys have this year? What's what's your main goal this year? Mm. I've got I've got a few. You want me? Yeah, to we got we got lots. Yeah. I, I have my main one for this. It's like, uh, I want an 18 keys by the beach, a block from the beach in our market. That's one of my, my main ones that I have. And then I want to go back. To, so on a personal side, going back to Europe for summer for at least like five to six weeks, that'll be the second one for me. You know, my grandpa is turning 95. Wow. February 9th. So we're there. There's not a lot of, not, not a lot of time. Even if there is a lot of time, it's just more chances to spend time together. So really wanting to, to go there and just grow the team. You know, we're hiring local people. We are more VAs and just, you know, just more of the same and just being happy and enjoying myself along the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to launch this. 
We got a heavy reno, heavy reno on this 57 unit, but we'll have that live in like two phases. Ideally, the first phase will be live in June, the second phase in early September. And then uh, I want to buy another one, another hotel, and I want to buy another high-end luxury property in a very specific market in uh, Kissimmee, in that submarket. Cool. So, yeah. Yep. The king of Orlando. I love it down there. Our property's done really well. And now selfishly, I just want another one, but in the community with three golf courses, selfishly for me. So yeah. So that when you I go down there, I can play. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's part of the juice and the fun of being in this industry. So yeah. What about you, man? What are your goals? He like talk that on us. It's like now I know. <laughs> I'm on the clock. I like it. Um, yeah. We've got a, we've got a 5,000 square foot place we're closing on tomorrow. So my goal for by the end of the year is to have it furnished because this is by far the biggest house we've ever done. So we're hoping to sleep like 30 people in it. Yeah. Just uh, get that launched is a big one. You know, when you do a big purchase like that, it's, I'm not at the level you guys are at. I'm not buying hotels yet, but, but maybe next year, you know, each, each of the first couple of properties it weighs on you, you know, it's tough. But I find, you know, it's, it's funny, Mike, you were talking about being obsessive over the, the details and the small details. Like I get the same way. I'm like, I'm like the, the backsplash tile. I get to look for 40 hours, a different backsplash tile. And, uh, but I find the people that are obsessive over the details, just they, they make the best hosts, you know, they, they really do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I want my guests to have a great time and like all and things that most people would be like, that doesn't matter. Just pick it up. I like obsess over the small things. Like how are they? How's that going to look in the morning when they wake up and they, you know, drinking their coffee and the backsplash is there? Like, I got to get over it, you know? But yeah, that's the, the irony in that whole situation was that I kept kind of like pushing Kristen and the design team of like, I need all these designs. And they did like three different room designs plus all the club room amenities, all these things in like two weeks. And I'm pushing them. And then she's like, you've spent over a week picking a shower head. Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? Why are you busting my chops when we just designed this entire project and yeah. you can't pick one shower head? Yeah. So yeah. so I got to stay in my lane. When I, when I start getting too obsessive like that, I just push it off on my assistant. Just go. Just do. Yeah. You choose. I don't care what it looks like anymore. Yeah. But it's funny because you go from caring so much what it looks like to not caring at all. <laughs> That's what I find yeah. out anyways. So what's the beginning of your vacation rental, short-term rental journey that has now led you to be buying this huge house? What's this happened? Kind of walk us through, like, how did you get here? Yeah. So when I started as a real estate agent, it was funny because we, we did something that was a little atypical, but so I took four people, we were all in the same real estate class and we all passed and we all joined the same firm. And, uh, and so I said, like, let's pull resources, you know, like, let's, I, I'm really good at marketing. I know lead generation. And there was people that are like really good with people and one that was really good at sales. So I said, let's pull resources. So we started a real estate team, which for four brand new people out of real estate school is really not typical. So we started that team and, and one of the guys on the team had an Airbnb. And I had spent three years before that traveling the world. We spent, you know, a year in South America. We spent a year in Asia. I lived in the Philippines for like three years. And, and that whole time we spent staying in Airbnbs. So I lived in Airbnbs for three years. Then my partner, you know, had one here. So it wasn't really my goal to get in Airbnbs. But, you know, with him having one, we're agents. We started buying our own together. We flipped a couple, you know, 
that weren't really supposed to be flipped, but the the upside was just too good, too fast. And then I started working with uh, this doctor out of Myrtle Beach, and he bought eight Airbnbs with me. I just had so much fun doing it. You know, like I'm a data nerd. I love data. I love the numbers. I love spreadsheets. I obsess over the details. Um, so for me, it's a lot more fun to sell a short-term rental than it is working with like a first-time home buyer. And, uh, and that's what led me where I am today. And then, you know, like last February, Bill Faith called me in a random, it was February and, and just a random day, just called me up, never talked to him before, but I was a big follower and I said, Hey, I want to buy some property in your area. And then, so we, we proceed to buy some property here. And, and then I was already doing short-term rentals at the time. It was all I was doing. But then he goes on his Facebook group and he's like, Tyler Kuhn is the best real estate agent in the world. And so he at this standard, you know, it was like massively high standard. And so I haven't slept or eaten since. Yeah. In two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look, you look good for not having slept or eaten in two years. I, I got to do that too, because you look, you look fab. Really good filter. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's the camera. It's the 4K camera. So do you only find them or do you manage them as well? Yeah. So I have a vacation rental management company now too. So we were like, I'm in Asheville. And the, the management companies here run like they're from the 90s. You know, they're like, call us if you want to make a reservation. And so when I started selling Airbnbs to this doctor out of Myrtle Beach, you know, I was referring his management out to other people. And it was just a bad experience. So me and my business partner, we're managing our own at the time. So we went we put out an app. We hired a property manager and we launched ours. Now, today, we manage 50 properties. I actually just bought last month somebody else's property management company. So we did our first application mm. that got us to 50. So yeah, I hate that's that business though. That's a hard business. <laughs> I would love to hear more about that. So what does that kind of process look like? Like how do you buy somebody else's property management company? How do you value it? What do you do? Yeah, so Brooke Fouts is really like the, the demigod of mm -hmm. buying management companies, Ventory, really, really cool guy, good friend of mine. Um, we're in his mastermind. And so this one actually kind of landed, like it was my goal to buy one or two management companies this year, but this one kind of landed in my lap. I was headhunting the lady that was the general manager of this, uh, other property management company that we bought for like six months. I, her presence online was awesome. Like you could tell she was great with the owners. Her marketing was really good and she was running everything on her own. And so what happened was that that property management company, the owners were a little, I think a little bit greedy and they wouldn't hire her any help. So she's scaling up their business for them and they're just mm -hmm. taking in all the money and they're not hiring her any help. So she finally called me in December, like December 15th. And she's like, I I'm ready. So I made her a job offer on the spot. I'm like, you got to come work for me, but you got to do it right now. And so I get a call from her boss and she's like, what am I supposed to do now? I don't have any employees and it's Christmas. How, who's going to manage all these bookings for Christmas and New Year's? I was like, oh, well, you know, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. And uh, so, I mean, we got it for pennies on the dollar. Literally. I mean, I think it was 20 grand for, you know, 15 properties. And that's cheap on the market. Yeah. That's a good price. Yeah. So I think Brooke said it's oh, usually God. like 30 grand a contract, isn't it? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So we you pay, you pay $1,333. Yeah. So it's yeah. pretty splendid. Was it bad? It's yeah, not it bad. Yeah. Wow. What I learned about this business, though, if anybody's interested in going down this path, is that like when you get to 15 properties, you just hate your life. It's hard because it's not enough revenue to hire a bunch of people to, to do all the work, but it's enough properties that it's annoying all day long. And it's guest complaints and it's 
things breaking, but you don't have a maintenance person on staff and you don't have a VA. So you're doing guest communications 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I would, that that's my goal is I want to go out and find people that hate their lives that have 15 properties and just like, they'll, they'll think it's a blessing. I think. <laughs> I love that perspective. It's very true. Yeah. Very, it's a hard very business. 100%. Yeah. You got to celebrate yeah. the wins in this business. Yeah. So now as a realtor manager, where do you spend the majority of, of your time in? Like, are you more on the, on the sales side? Are you more on the management side? Are you more on the side of like looking for sad and miserable people waiting to sell their business? Like where, where <laughs> do you spend your time? Where's your sweet spot? Yeah. So 95% of my time is spent on the real estate side. It's really what I enjoy the most. Uh, so I've got a general manager that, that we just hired, Michelle. I was just talking about her. So she runs the whole ship over there. So it exists in my office, but I don't spend any time on it. It really is a hard business. Like all these people talking about, like they want to co-host and, and they want to scale up. It's fun when it's a few properties, you know, but it's hard when it's 50. It's, it's hard. It's a hard business. The accounting on 50 properties is like, I wake up in the middle of the night and like night terrors on accounting issues, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do hear it's that. It's no joke. It's yeah. no joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man, there's so many different directions that we could take this right now. Mm -hmm. One of the things we were talking about offline before we started was, was you guys are expanding into more and more markets, right? Because yeah. it's challenging for people to find real estate agents that are knowledgeable about short-term rentals. And I've had a lot of people, whether in that have joined my mastermind or just have DM'd me, they're like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this property. I'm losing money. I, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, show me your, your underwriting and your pro forma that you did. And they're like, well, I didn't do one. Just the agent said it was going to do this. And I'm like, well, shame on you. Like that's yeah. bad. So a couple of things, how do you, how do you kind of vet out an agent? And then one of my models is like trust, but verify. Right. So like, if you tell me something cool, I'll trust you, but I'm going to verify it independently for sure. Yeah. So like, what are some tips when people are looking for an agent and looking for properties, especially now where we're at in the market? I feel like I would love your take on that. Yeah. So the first thing for me is I want to find an agent like that. If I'm looking to hire somebody on my team to represent my buyers is to find somebody with that just bleeds integrity. They just have to, like, I'm not afraid to tell people not to buy property. We, we spent the first three weeks of this year. We didn't put one deal under contract because there just was nothing to sell. And I had, uh, I know, like, there, you guys are doing a big mastermind. I think the next one is in the Outer Banks, right, with, with Manish. And he's got really cool property out there. And, uh, like, he called me up. He's like, I want to spend a million dollars, Tyler. He's like, why aren't you? I, I called you three weeks ago. Why aren't you sending me properties? And I told, I don't have anything good enough to send you. I'm not going to sell you something. Like there's properties at a million dollars that have fit the market, but nothing that'll do well. So they, they just have to totally bleed integrity and they have to be willing to tell you not to invest. And so one thing that I always tell people is like, try me out on that. Like send me a property that you don't actually think will do well and see if I'm going to, to, if if I'm going to tell you it's not going to do well, because that's probably the first thing that you're going to hear out of my mouth is, no, let's move on. So for me, they have to be willing to say no more than they're willing to say yes. And I think that shows a, a pretty good judge of character, you know, because most agents, will ju they'll just say yes about every single property. Yeah, that could be a good one. Oh, yeah, I could see myself and my family staying in that. But they just want to make their next commission. So mm -hmm. for me, like, it's really important to be like an investor only realtor. Like if a first time home buyer came to me, I would not even work with them. 
I, I would turn them away and send them to somebody else because I, I only work with investors. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is train other agents how to do it, how to lead with integrity, why it benefits them to tell investors not to buy property more often than to buy property. Because I found that's my number one tool in, in my belt is like people will will go out there in the online forums and they're like, he's like, he told me not to buy 20 properties in a row. And then we found one and he said, buy it. Now I could, I feel like I could trust him, you know, like it was, it was cheaper than all the other ones even. So uh, for me that I think that's really important. And just to find an agent that like maybe owns their own or runs a management company or something like that. But to your point, trust, but verify, like if they're not willing to walk you through a process on how they got to maybe potential revenue, estimated revenue or something like that, I would, you know, go hire Mike or, or Emmanuel to do it. You know, like that's, that's the most important thing is doing that pro forma up front. And so I'm, I walk people through my process. So when we're underwriting a property, we'll literally get on a Google meet and go from beginning to end because you can't just stick something in Airbnb rentalizer and be like, oh, it says a hundred thousand and trust it. You're going to figure out like, what did the comps actually look like? Like what comparables is it pulling up? Does the property I'm looking at actually compare more to the ones that are doing less revenue or more to the ones that are doing more, you know? And if it's a super unique property, a lot of times AirDNA is not good enough for that. You know, like you got to really go and dig and, and go into Airbnb and search through and find the unique properties that actually match. A few years ago, you guys probably agree with this. You could buy anything and put it on Airbnb and it would rent. And now you have to be, it's, it's like so specific, like has to have charm and you have to walk in and just feel like, you know, this sense that, that it is a vacation home. And so even more unique properties now, it's harder to run the data analytics on those unique properties. So you got to be real, really careful. Yeah, I agree. And don't, don't jump in. No reason to jump into a deal. Like there are still really good deals out there. You know, all over the country, there's good deals. So there's no reason to jump into one really fast if, if you're not like 100% confident it's going to do well. Yeah, it's interesting because I the last couple of calls that I've had for people that have called me, very similar, right? And to me, I'm very blessed because... For me, real estate is, it's more of a way to, to kind of like finance my habits of real estate investing than it is a way of making a living, right? But that puts me in a very unique situation where I don't necessarily need to say yes for the commissions, right? And so I understand that a lot of agents that are listening to the show are like, well, shit, I do need money to live. So yeah. what do I do, right? So that, that gets complicated. But to me, it's also like, I love playing when I have a client that comes to me, they're super excited about property they think they found. I am like the opposite. I'm like, why? Why this, why this specific property? And really, if you have a partner, if you have a spouse, really like kind of like be in that situation of like, I think this property is great. I'm going to try to convince you that it's not great. Yeah. Tear it apart. Like tear it apart. And, and the thing that you were saying is also through like, why rushing things when like, you're, to me, that's all like a, like, abundance mindset as well, right? Like, I cannot believe that this is the only deal that's going to come through that makes sense, right? Like, that doesn't make sense. So break it down, break it apart. If you can hold it afterwards, if you're like, okay, no, actually, like, you're right. No matter how I spin it, this is a good deal. Let's do it, right? So what markets, are, like, you know, you have to give us, like, specific names, right? But you're looking to expand with agents. What markets are you going to? I assume we're not talking about the Smoky Mountains, right? Because I think that yeah. we're, are we done with that? Can we finish talking about the Smoky Mountains? Oh, yes. over it? 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Awful. Every property for sales. Oh my god. hundred grand. I don't even want to go there. Like just because I've heard so much about it, I'm like, it's gonna. I'm gonna be tired of it. I just don't even want to try to go there. Uh, but where are you looking? So maybe there's a listen. There's like, oh, I'm in that market. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're seeing really good numbers, like in college towns. You know, like I think when I was running like national statistics, South Bend, Indiana, came up as like one of the highest cash on cash returns you could get. Because they've got all these college football games all the time and people, parents are always coming into town. You've got all this stuff going on. You could buy a property for like 150 grand there, you know? So we're, we're definitely seeing like middle America grow. I'm definitely biased towards Western North Carolina. That's where I'm at. But I feel like I also just got lucky because I really believe in this market overall. You know, there are so many drivers and reasons that people come here. So like I tell people all the time, Try to find a market that doesn't have just one driver. Like Orlando is a really good good example of this. There's a million different reasons to go to Orlando. And you get families, you get single people, you get millennials, you get seniors and couples and literally every type of traveler. So I really like places that don't just have one anchor attraction because there's many different reasons for people to come. And so that's really important to take a look at. And then one thing that I think is really important that nobody really pays attention to is like, Revenue is growing across the board. So all these people saying that like, oh, revenue is down in this market or that market is really not true. So like if you look at Smokies, for instance, the, the revenue spent on whole home vacation rentals, there's up like 20% year over year. The problem is that new listings are up 25%. So revenue per listing is down. And they've got all this new construction is always happening there. And, you know, it's all short-term rentals. So like in, in Western North Carolina, we have tons of people that move here not just buy short-term rentals. And so like I get a call today and we got an offer on one of my listings. It's an active short-term rental, comes fully furnished, like it's turnkey. And, and the, the buyer's agent was like, my client's going to move into it. That happened to us last month too, a listing and a guy retired in it. It was brand new, new construction, like furnished. It was just built last year, turnkey Airbnb with a hot tub and views. And like this guy retired in it. And so that's another thing I really like about, like look for markets where, Airbnbs might actually fall off the market. Because then I think your, your listing growth can be outpaced by revenue. So like in Western North Carolina, we're up 20% year over year, but new listings are only up 2% a quarter. And so we're outpacing new listings. So I think that's, I love that. that's like the most important thing you could look at, I think, in terms of analyzing a market overall today. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that perspective on it. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And this makes a lot of sense for a lot of the very busy urban markets where the busy markets where the supply and demand of housing. I wonder where South Florida is. Now I'm going to have to go and look at numbers, but it's very similar because there's so many people moving here and there's so many people, so many people did Airbnbs that you're like, maybe that's what's happening here. Mm. Yeah. It's like the most important metric, like just looking at a market overall, that's what I would look at. And is revenue outpacing new listings? And if you then dive into it, if it's not like run away, there's no reason because there's like a hundred markets that are that way. <laughs> I love that. One of the things that I tell, and I'm jumping here, so bear with me. But one of the things that I tell anybody that is getting into the co-hosting game, if you're going to start doing this full time and this is going to be your main jam, you might as well get your real estate license because people are going to start coming to you and asking you where you should invest. And so at that point, you might as well get your license to help them find the properties that you would want to manage anyway. Then you get a commission on the sale and then you're going to end up on the back end. So I'm curious from your perspective, because 
now you are a thought leader in the whole agent co-host manager space. How has that worked out for you? Yeah, it's been incredible because we can pick and choose the properties, right? Like we attract the property first, then we attract the investor and then we pair them together. And some people like, I get this all the time. Like people, I feel like when, when I have new investor calls, they try to ask me questions about my management company as if they think it's a requirement that they come manage with me. But in fact, like most, I, I don't talk, I know most of these folks are going to self-manage and I don't even talk about my management company to them. I don't try to pitch them on it because what I'm looking for really isn't the cash flow investor for my, my management company. What I've noticed is the cash flow investors, they're gone. They're gone in three months. They're gone in two quarters because I eat all the profit, you know, but my business is expensive. I'm not like eating caviar and doing nothing in property management. My profit margins are like 8% maybe, you know, so it's not like yeah. we're, we're stealing all the profit and, and taking it home. It's just an expensive business to run. So. Yeah, I, I like second homeowners. I like folks that want to come use it for a month in the summer and they just want it to break even and they don't want to deal with it and they want somebody else to manage the rest. Like mm -hmm. that, for me, that's my avatar for management. So when investors are coming to me and they want cash flow, I'm, I told th this lady last week, she, she kept asking me more and more questions about my management company, but I knew that for her cash flow was number one. I literally had to tell her finally, like, you are not my ideal client. Like, I will refer you somewhere else but I'm going to eat up all your profit and, and you're going to end up quitting later anyway. So all the work in management and co-hosting is up front. It's in the first few months. And after that, everything's dialed in and it's easy. So you are you getting, are you getting people that were doing self-managing that are being struggling with just the shrinking of the reservation calling you? I'm curious if that's a trend that you're seeing there too, because we're seeing a lot of those coming our way now. Yeah, it hasn't happened here so much. And I think it's because what, one thing about Western North Carolina specifically is like, they are doing well. The standards are actually pretty low here. Like we don't have indoor pools like the Smokies. I had a guy that was like, well, I, this one doesn't have an indoor pool. I don't want it. And I was like, none of them have indoor. Go, go put indoor pool in Airbnb here. You won't find one. And so like, I, I think the standards are really low for short-term rental guests. So it's easy for people to self-manage here. Like they can still do a good job. They're not losing revenue they don't have to like be like the best host of all time you know and we're helping raise those standards like we are but it's a, it makes it easily investable because you can come in and like do decent design and put a hot tub in a fire pit and not have to spend 20 grand theming every room and still do really well here i love that question for you i want to switch this completely because i think you're just we had another guest before but i love that the fact that you guys spent three years traveling the world going through Airbnbs. And I'm always curious to see like, has there been something in your process, maybe when you do a property, when you furnish a property, has been something that you have kind of like brought into the mix from all of the traveling and the experience as a guest that has maybe given you an edge as to how you guys do your units? Yeah. So for me, one thing I noticed was like, and I'm really particular about this. Like I spend a lot of money on like towels and linens. I think that's like those types of things are so important and it'll change the reviews for you. But then on the flip side of that, it's funny. Like I, so I don't do the on the wall push shampoo and body soap things. I do the ones like in the little container. And so, but it's so funny. I don't know if you guys get this or not. I've never heard anybody else talk about this, but one thing we get a lot is people ask us like, what shampoo is that? What conditioner is that? I'm like, I use the cheapest stuff possible. I'm like, 
the $5 massive bottle of Tresemme. And so I never want to tell my guests because I'm like, it's the cheapest stuff possible. They always ask us. So I don't know. It's weird. You know, I think things people can see, they, they care about. Like if you have a Mrs. Myers, like they really want to see that. But then if you hide, you know, Dawn dish soap in it, they don't even, they don't even know. They're like, I want that. That's unique. So I don't know. For me, linens and towels is a big thing. Like I just, I personally, like, I don't like to reuse towels. I don't know if that's a me thing or a lot of people thing, but um, so I want to have enough. So like I go, when I do a new short-term rental, I buy like a hundred towels and then I put them out for the guests to use. And I think they appreciate that. Like this, I think adding more amenities and, and not trying to strip them away just because maybe somebody's revenue is struggling or something like that. It's a hard thing to fight against. You know, people are like, oh, I'm only going to put out two dishwasher pods and I'm only going to put three Tide pods. And like, I just put the whole thing. And like, if somebody- that, that drives me insane. Yeah, but that's a chicken in the neck kind of situation. Going back <laughs> yeah. to their abundance thing, to me, that is the wrong way for you to look at cutting costs, and it's the quality of the stay. Like for example, that drives us crazy. We were talking about this at the Orlando event because obviously half of our students stayed in Mike's house that has a nice style that has all the shit, and half of the students stayed in a house that wasn't themed and that wasn't all done up, and they were complaining about the fact that like. It's a huge house. 11, what was it? 11 people in that house too? 10 people? There was one roll yeah, of paper towel. Yeah. Oh my God. One thing of toilet paper. And it's just like, if you think that this is how you're going to increase your profits, it's not. Oh, yeah. It's like, crazy. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really not. Like, it's really, yeah. like, there's so much more, like, you know, like so much more that should be cut first. It should be adjusted. I should say no cut first versus you doing that. Yeah. I like it. you said the abundance mindset. Like I was trend towards, I'm like, okay, well, if my bookings aren't doing well, I'm going to add more and not take away, you know? And I find it works. Like we, I put the whole thing of Tide Pods, you know? And like, if it gets stolen, you know, once over a year, like that thing is like 12 bucks, you know? What do I care? It takes me, it costs me more time in my hourly pay, you know, what I make per hour to like think about it than it does to just put a new one in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think for me, it's mostly just about, yeah, having literally any, anything that you would want, like living somewhere, you know, that's, that's how I really want to set it up. Like a basket of blankets, you know, by the, by the TV, you know, when in the, we, I sold this like million dollar lake house and it was so bare bones. I mean, it was like a bed and a dresser and nightstands and lamps and then a couch in the living room and nothing else, you know, just, uh, just a bare minimum in every room. And there was no creature comforts. There was no, you know, little hidden things that are like a pleasant surprise that you find, you know, and uh, I, I wanted a cup of tea and there was some tea, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm all about it. I probably spent way too much money. I'm awful at accounting for it too. So who knows if I even make any money in my short term rentals, but I think probably good time. <laughs> but your guests have blankets by the couch and pillows, which is yeah. like you don't want to be the one host that like people go watch a movie and they're like using their hoodie yeah. you know, themselves because there's no blanket. Like you know, this just leave uh leaves an ugly taste. Yeah. Um shit. Where do I want to go? Guys, what do you guys think are like the best amenities this year? Like one thing we're really doing and I'm really focusing on right now is like outdoor movie theaters. I think that's really cool. And there's all this like technology now, like these rechargeable, like movable projectors that you can literally just like recharge inside and they can put it on a table outside. 
So I'm I'm loving outdoor movie theaters right now because it's cheap and it's simple and it's a, a big amenity that not a lot of people have. What do you guys think is like the top top? I think it depends on your market too. I think it really depends on your market. Again, like for Kissimmee, it's all about, in my opinion, going over the top with the themes and making every room a unique experience. Not just like some bullshit like wallpaper. I'm talking like going all in with like tube slide bunk beds. Like that that's what's well, gonna the, get you to stand like out. Theme park. I mean, you have like a theme park in every bedroom. <laughs> that's what I mean. But it's like that's again, when you go through a period like this, like that's what's gonna stand out. Yeah. So like I'd I'd rather spend more money doing that stuff. And I, I don't spend as much on the outside. Or even like a lot of people down there will spend an insane amount of money on like the arcade. Like they'll buy like legit arcade games that are like 20 grand a piece. And I'm like, I could I could make that money go so much further. And we have like an arcade game, but then I have the ping pong, which e how many games of ping pong went down? Like it's 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 fun for the adults. Like that in the air hockey, like, you know, I, I've got a six-year-old. I don't want him sitting there playing video games all day. So yeah. like no. when he does that at home already, right? Like it's just yeah, it's like that. Nah. Yeah. For us, it's more of the fact that there is a lot of a lot of listings and a lot of people that haven't kind of done it well. So really doing the inside well where people think like really feel like you have given a care in the way that you design the space, but there is the extra stuff and it's very like kids oriented so we have we make sure that like all of that stuff and then for us it's opposite it's the outside right like i want the outside to feel like you're at a resort and even the way that we picture and we stage the outside that is the main vibe that we try to give whereas a lot of people are putting pictures of the outside and your loungers are not not set up your umbrellas are not open the chairs are all crooked i'm like go to like a hyatt picture of a hyatt at the beach somewhere or like a w and the picture, the chairs are all crooked. No, they're not, right? Because yeah. that just doesn't, you don't look at that. You're like, oh, that looks so relaxing. It's <laughs> messed up, like, you know what I mean? Like pool area, right? And so again, like our market, the ultra team stuff, I think there's some people that are doing it, but it's not as much of a requirement. Also because, for example, in season now with all the snowbirds coming down, is the snowbird really going to care about the team room? Yes, maybe for what the one week that their grandkids come down. But what would they care about more is like more stuff, spacious stuff, luxury stuff, a nice outside, a little putt-putt where they can go play golf and like those, those type of things. But like Mike said, I think it's market to market. And knowing your demographic, like you just said, he gets a ton avatar. of snowbirds at the villas, like different avatar, very different avatar than most of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my people would probably rather me going back there and like going to say hi to them every day and be like, how are you guys doing? What's going on? You and just he, gotta walk around with like one cookies. Yeah, I mean, like you know, what I mean, I got some coupons. You guys want some coupons? Maybe my guests would love that. You know, what I mean, like I just, I can't scale it. You know, what I mean, it's not a scalable model. You know, yeah, it makes me sad that they're sad, but I mean, at the same time, it's it's part of growing the business. You know, yeah, yeah, we get a lot of big groups here, like the big houses. That's where all the ROI is here. So things like the outdoor movie theater, you know, things that groups can do together are really important. Yeah. So. No, yeah, like, I think that, out of curiosity on that, Tyler, are you doing like the blow up screens or do you have something fixed? Yeah. So I just have my maintenance guy come in and build a frame for it. And then we can change out the screen every like 12 months or something. But then the frame is fixed there so that people don't have to go in and they don't have to do blow it up and worry about the whole thing. And so we'll do like a basket with uh, popcorn and the seasoning salts and like a couple movie theater candies and stuff. And then right next to it, we've got a Bluetooth speaker that's charging. And then like the anchor 
uh, you can buy this on Amazon. It's like 800 bucks. It's, it's a tube like, like this, and it's just a stand up. It just does the projector and it's rechargeable. So you don't have to like plug it in. So you just literally connect that and it's got like a Roku on it. So you, you know, go to Netflix and yeah, super, super easy to use, super easy to set up, not complicated at all. And I think it's just a, you know, an amenity that sets us apart, you know, just mm -hmm. something that, like nobody else is doing that. So, yeah. And I bet it photographs. Awesome. Yeah. If you do it right. Yeah. If, if you do it right. Yeah. That's everything. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. It. The design component today is just so important. Like I was talking with um, Sage from Minoan earlier because we're doing a big order with them right uh, now. We love Sage. Yeah. He's awesome. He's awesome. She's like, she's like, you can buy the bed frame from Amazon for whatever, 250 bucks instead of the one that's a thousand. And then you're going to replace it four times in the next two years. And it's going to look like crap every time. Or just buy the one for a thousand today and, and it'll last forever and it'll look good forever. So, yeah, I think, you know, talking about like the Hyatt and the W, like, they don't go crazy with their furniture, but what they go is high end with the piece that's functional, you know, and then a nice pillow on it, you know, and then an umbrella over it. And then it go crazy with it, but it just looks so high end when you're looking at it. So I think that's, you know, that's what we need to look at. And it's not hard to figure out. Like you said, go Google a photo, you know, like go Google a photo of a new resort somebody just built and go, they're already doing all your research for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, before we get into the last question, this has been a blast. I feel like we're going to need to have you on again because there's so many rabbit holes that we could go down. But before we get into the last question, I want to, again, thank you for coming on here and, and sharing all your knowledge and for, uh, for all the good work that you're doing out there for the STR community. So for the folks that want to get in touch and learn more about you and what you got going on, where can they find you on the socials? Yeah, yeah. Easiest, honestly, is book a call with me on Calendly. It's calendly.com slash Tyler Kuhn. Super, super simple. Or go to my probably do that like right now because he's not going to have any availability on that thing yeah. in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That always happens after these podcasts too. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. But um, yeah, do that. You know, whether it's here in Western North Carolina, we also cover Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which I'm a big fan of Myrtle Beach. Uh, a lot of badly, poorly managed stuff out there. So there's a big niche. For managing well there the average review there's like 3.5 on their dna it's the worst market i've ever seen for the average review. are they even allowed to keep those open at that Dude, low it's crazy it's it's bananas it's it's just crazy wow yeah yeah um and then uh and then bourbon trail of kentucky with tony bower over there is just an awesome incredible opportunity right now because it's just growing like like crazy you know people have been going to breweries and wineries and everything and now they're really getting into the craft cocktails and distilleries so I, I'm not surprised that that area is just totally blowing up right now. And that's not going to change. You know, people, people love to drink. I don't love to drink that much, but people love to drink and, uh, and, and they will, that will never stop happening. Right. Like that's not something people <laughs> stop doing. So very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, the, uh, the last question that we ask that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Yeah. So for me, definitely the design aspect, but I think one thing you have to keep in mind, and I and I always do this, so like keep it, if you're going to, for instance, be pet friendly, make sure that you're not buying stuff that has tassels that pet hair is going to get stuck in. So as you're designing your, your next short-term rental, keep in mind, how are they going to clean it? So I try to keep things really functional and simple. So like our blankets, for instance, we'll, we won't buy anything with little tassels on it. 
we want to buy stuff that washes well. And, and if we pack a washing machine full of stuff, which the cleaner is going to do, that it doesn't get ruined real easy and it's real durable. So yeah, that's for me, like one of my biggest things that I lost a lot of money learning that lesson is what I'll say, because I just kept buying stuff over and over and over that was like pretty and looked nice, but like just got ruined so, so quickly. And it wasn't there for the guests and they wanted it because it was in the photos and then I had to pay for it again. It's, you know, it's a nightmare. So for me, that's like, that's one of my, my favorite things is just being efficient. Things. Set it up right the first time, spend the time the first time to get it right. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, Tyler, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Really looking forward to hanging out with you in like, I don't know, six weeks. Down I in know. Nashville. So oh, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun, man. So yeah, if you guys are coming to the SDR Wealth Conference, make sure you hook up with Tyler. He will be there for more than six hours this time. And <laughs> uh, sorry, we were busting his chops offline because the Miami retreat, he only got to stay for like a day, but he, he made it. He made it down there and he the could boat. only hang for the day. He was there <laughs> on the boat. So. Um, but yeah, man, thank you again for coming on here. Really appreciate it. And really looking forward to hanging out with you in, uh, in about a month. So cool, man. Awesome. Looking forward All right. right. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.